Welcome to Film and Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Moshe Lewis. I am so excited today to be joined by Ms. Judy Pace, stage actress, screen actress, film, TV, you name it, she's done it. Um, outstanding award, Image Award for Best Daytime Actress in a Drama Series. You saw her in Brian's song, um, and that's why we really wanted to talk to her because the show's called Film and Medicine, and, and I just want to start there. In the beginning, I heard, and it may mm -hmm. not be true, that All there right. was a small health issue that then got you into modeling because you were in college and on a different path. It wasn't a small health issue. Mm -hmm. It was a major health issue. Mm. Um, as a kid, uh, they discovered that I had a problem with my leg. Mm. And I was taken and placed into the orthopedic hospital right. for children. I was there for over three months wow. with surgery. Right. Uh, there was something wrong with the growth plate mm, of okay. one of my legs. Right, and so now, maybe there was like an imbalance? No, it wasn't mm. acting, it wasn't mm. growing, it wow. wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. Wow. Um, so it was, it was far more serious than I knew it was as a kid. Sure. I'm like in right. second yeah. grade, right. first grade, that kind of situation. And um, I was there and they would give me drugs and I hated right. the drugs and it was wow. awful. I couldn't play. Right. Um, my mother and dad and everybody would come and sometimes I couldn't go down and greet them. I had to look out the window and wave at them. It was just, it was awful. Right. And then the fear of thinking I might have one leg mm -hmm. shorter right. than the other leg. Right, right. Which is what they were doing all this for. <laughs> to make sure that did not happen. Yeah, right. So after a couple of surgeries, I was finally able to go home, but we had this ritual. Mm -hmm. I had to come and be checked every four months to see if the leg was growing. Uh, well, thank God, sure. God <laughs> Almighty, yeah. the leg grew. Hello, hello, hello. I mean, the thought of having that was just like, oh my God, oh my God. Once that was settled, mm -hmm. that's when I wanted to be a model. Sure, and, and is that what inspired it? That, okay, now. No, my, my sister, I have two absolutely beautiful sisters. Sure. Uh, one is named Jean Pace, okay. or Jean Pace Brown, mm -hmm. and the other is named Betty Pace. Yeah. My sister Jean was married to Oscar Brown Jr. Okay. She's a singer and a dancer and just drop dead gorgeous. Stop yeah. traffic. I'd you actually yourself. seen her drop, uh, stop traffic. I think it runs in the family. I, well, I don't know about all that. Sure. My mama was cute too. Uh, get you everywhere. <laughs> and my, um, my sister Betty mm -hmm. decided she didn't like dancing, she didn't like singing, but she sure. wanted to do something exciting, so she was going to be the model. Mm, okay. And so she started taking classes and coming right. home and showing me what to do and what not to do and all right. of that. And then she said, oh, this is so boring. Right. She decided to become an exec with the city. Sure. Okay, so that's what she did. Right. <laughs> all right. Right. And just by chance, this was around the time when Ebony Fashion Fair right, it was, was going, and Ebony Fashion Fair was like just the buzz of right. the buzz of the right. buzz. It was the, of, bomb. It was the <laughs> bomb, darling. It was the bomb. Yeah. And... Uh, they didn't have anyone from the West Coast. Mm. Actually, they didn't have anyone west of Chicago. Right, and anyone who had your skin tone, because that was a really big thing. Well, skin tone? <laughs> what do you mean skin tone? You mean chocolate? Well, sure. Is that what you're talking Really about? black. Real I mean, weren't they sort of airing a little bit towards well, lighter I, than that? Um, let's just say this. If you were a model, mm -hmm. I, have a, I have a term for certain things you, this is my, this is my, my this is my, title. Sure. It's called color-coded mm -hmm. casting. I love it. Uh -huh. Colored coding ca casting is, if it's supposed to be pretty, right. it's either going to be white, 
or it's going to be light. Mm, there was no chocolate in the mix. Right, never, never put into the formula. There was no chocolate. So I think they had one brown skin model at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, I was able to um, go to the audition sure. because one of my girlfriend's mothers mm -hmm. was a member of the organization that would bring the Ebony Fashion Fair to. Um, Los Angeles, yeah. and her name was Marilyn McCoo sure, of the sure. Fifth Dimension. Right, yes. so I know she was going to yes. go and be a singer, and sure. I was going to go be a model, and right. then finally was like, I'm going to be a model and be an actress and be on TV and make movies. <laughs> sure. It just kept on. <laughs> people kept saying that. to my mom, you need to talk to that sure. girl. She don't know what she's talking sure. about. She's not going to get married till she's 30. Wow. And she's going to be an actress and be a movie star. And right. my mom said, she's in California. She can sure. be anything she wants to be. And my dad used to call us. There was three of us. Mm -hmm. I was deep chocolate. Sure. My sister Jean was a little caramel. Sure. And my sister Betty was just, just right Betty brown. Right. Sure. <laughs> so he would just always tell us we were beautiful. And sure. we, we believed him. Sure, right. And but, but then reality would happen when you got out in the world and got out of the house. Right. <laughs> you sure. know? And we talked a little bit about that in terms of just growing up. Your upbringing and where you grew up was very different. Uh, uh, Jewish community, Asian community, and also yes. just maybe yourself only being the black community. Uh -huh. It was, when you're doing it, you don't realize how unique it is. Mm -hmm. uh, we knew it was different, but we didn't know how unique it was. Uh, my mom and dad are from Jackson, Mississippi. And they had great imaginations and great courage and sure. what they want to get going to do. One thing they were going to do, they weren't going to raise their children in Jim Crow. Mm, okay. So they were getting the hell out of Jackson, Mississippi sure. as quickly as they could. Right. And this is a, just to put a time frame on it. We're 1950s. talking 19... I'm 80. How do you think that is? <laughs> uh, this, this you don't is my look 80. 80 so my 80 is, is this year. It's one I of thought those... it was your 62nd year. See, they gave me bad notes. Oh, okay. You're so kind. So. Anyway, <laughs> you're so kind. Um, they were from Jackson, Mississippi. We're talking 1934. Sure. Okay. 1934. There were there were hardly any brown people outside of the South at that time, when mm. they called, started the Great Migration and all of right. that. Uh, but they wanted to come. <laughs> they wanted to be as far away wow. from the South as, as they, they could, could be. possibly yeah. be. Yeah. So they would jokingly say, "We we ran and we ran and we ran, get escape, escaping Jackson, Mississippi, and we ran into this ocean. <laughs> right, so we hit the water and couldn't go anymore. <laughs> couldn't go any farther. <laughs> exactly. So that's why we're here. Yeah, and we absolutely. would say, "Oh, oh, Daddy, we're so glad you guys yeah. ran, right, <laughs> ran right. and got here." Yeah. Um, my dad was, was actually brilliant, and I know mm -hmm. people say that about their parents. And my sure. mother was absolutely gorgeous. But she was really gorgeous. Well, we can see it today. Um, oh, I, about that. Um, <laughs> and my father wanted to come out here because he wanted mm -hmm. to fly airplanes. Mm, okay. He, he just was fascinated with airplanes. Right. And my mom wanted to come out here because she wanted to design clothes for the movie stars sure. and be part of that whole situation mm -hmm. right. because... Sometimes people don't realize that in slavery, mm -hmm. there were the people who picked the cotton, mm -hmm. who were out in the field, and there were the people who worked in the house. Mm -hmm. And that's what we had, mm -hmm. those in the house mm -hmm. and those in the field. Right. But there was a whole nother group of folks. Mm -hmm. They were called the artisans. Right. They were the cab fine cabinet makers, right. the ones who did the fine woodwork, the sure. ones who built the White House, the ones sure. who built all those mansions you see on right. those plantations, sure. which is really a wrong name for it. Sure. <laughs> we called work camps. Right. Mm. Better word. <laughs> Not sure. plantations. Sure. Um, so my mom comes from the side where you had all the women 
who could weave fine fabric mm, and make beautiful gowns right. and design the gowns and bead the gowns okay. and make the dresses and make sure that the fabric stayed lovely and nice. That stuff right. wasn't coming from Paris. It right. would take eight months for anything to Just, come from Paris wow. or from Europe. Sure. They, would, they were called the artisans. Mm. And my, that's where my mother comes from, the fine dressmakers, the fine designers, the fine fab weaving the fabric. Um, and my dad comes from those who were making and building and the masons and the carpenters and sure. the leather workers and all of those men. Sure. They would also take that group of men and send them over to Mr. Brown's house to finish his house off. Right. So I always have to let people know there were those in the field, right. those in the house, but there were the artisans and also the musicians and the entertainers. Yeah. Okay, so my dad never did get to learn how to play the play, fly a plane. Yeah. Uh, my mom never did get to design clothes for right. the beautiful people sure. in the, or the actors and the dancers and the singers. Sure. Um, my dad went to work for Douglas Aircraft. Mm, so and close. Douglas Aircraft, they were the ones who were designing and creating or trying to design and create the jets. Right. Jets. So <clears throat> in order to work there, you had to take a test if you were going to be a part of that group. They didn't care what color you were. Mm -hmm. They didn't care what country you came from. They just wanted you to have a lot of brains and be smart and be able to make sure that people didn't die when they test the planes. Right. Like they could crash. That's right. That's <laughs> not a good thing to come back from. That's right. So um, my dad took the test and he was really, really smart. Right. And he did very well. And they made him, now remember now, we're talking 40s. Right. They made him a lead man. Mm -hmm. The scientists and the engineers said he's going to be a lead man. Right. That meant he would have at least 16 Caucasian men working under him. Right. And that probably created a lot of stress and tension. That uh, didn't bother him one bit. Good, okay. But dad had a great personality. He played, played a trumpet and he just loved clubs and right. everybody loved him. So that, that didn't, they knew he was smart. Right. They knew it. And so their team was gonna be the best team anyway. <laughs> and so that's what he was doing. And um, my mom, did get to design clothes for actors and singers and dancers and she opened a ladies apparel shop right, sure. called Kitty's Boutique. Right, and it became the largest black owned ladies boutique <laughs> west wow. of the Mississippi. Sure. Wow. That's where I met my still best friend Nichelle Nichols from Star Trek. Yes. She designed and she was uh, Nichelle Nichols uh, a so stylist and uh, for uh, Nancy, uh, Nancy Wilson, right. Tina Turner, um, Oscar Brown Jr. shows. Wow, People would come in. She did something very unique, too. She was way ahead of her time. Once a month on a Thursday night, mm -hmm. close shop at 5 o'clock. Okay. Okay. Folks would fly in wow. to come to the shop. Folks would drive down from San Francisco to come to the shop. They were the female impersonators. Mm, okay. <laughs> the gay guys right. would oh, come okay. and take over the shop. Really? Okay. And it was fabulous. <laughs> Sometimes you have to put them out every two o'clock in the morning. Just right. go, go. Just, and they'd be just. trying things on. And... They could not try on the regular things. Sure. Okay. She had a, she had a room in the in the um, at the shop where you could. It was called the sip sip room. Okay. And the ladies could come and sip, sip some champagne, or they tea. could sip, sip some tea. <laughs> okay. And they might come okay. in there <laughs> with a couple a of girlfriends, and, <laughs> and they'd be in there all day. Mm -hmm. So um, 
she did design for your um, your your actors and your stars and for Anazette Chase and for just diff different people. So she yeah. she realized her dream and so did my dad. Right. Um, so um, and how did she feel about you going into the business at that level? Oh, she thought that was a wonderful idea. Yeah. And then they would look at her like, Kitty, you sound a little crazy. What do you mean, this little dark-skinned child, she's going to do what? Mm. <laughs> it was that kind of situation. And tell us about some of those barriers. What was sort of you, what would you consider to be your big break? My big break? I think my big break was getting out of high school. Mm, okay. I think I was thinking <laughs> about Peyton's voice. <laughs> Being dark brown <laughs> and living in a, oh, wait, 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 let, me, let me go back to something we were talking about. Okay. It, it all ties together. Uh, growing up the way I grew up, mm -hmm. with my dad being a lead man, sure. and he wanted us to have the best education possible. Right. And there was a segregated schools here in Southern California, mm -hmm. and they were segregated by your deed. Mm -hmm. The Where deeds in California, or Southern California, mm -hmm. would have a covenant. You couldn't sell your house to a Negro or a colored person. You couldn't sell your house to an Asian person. So then that meant the schools would be segregated, be an all-white neighborhood, all-white school. Because right, you get in, <laughs> you literally. Could, you could not, literally, you could not. Right. There wasn't schools. They wouldn't say, you no, you couldn't come. Right. But you don't exactly. live here. Right, exactly. Right. And you can't. So my dad did what they called a straw man. Mm -hmm. He got one of his men who mm -hmm. was on his team, one of the... Right. 16 men who were on his team to gift him the house. Right. He had the money, my dad sure. had the money, gave the money to the man, he went and bought the house, and then he deeded it to my dad yes. as a yes. gift. Right. And we've talked about how my mom did the exact same <laughs> Your thing. Your mom did her the same thing. Her employer, who was an attorney, signed for her because yes, yes. they said, with all due respect, ma'am, which isn't necessarily respect, right, you right, right. can't buy a home. So we moved into a neighborhood that was predominantly a Jewish neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I'm talking 47, 48, 49, as we were coming out of that Second World War. Sure. Um, so I was in school, me and my brother were the only persons of African descent mm. in my grammar school. Wow. Um, I was in school with Japanese kids mm. who had just gotten out of internment camps. Right. I was in school with the Jewish dominant persons in my class, in my, in, my, in my school, who were now bringing their relatives to the mm. United States right. out of concentration camps, right. their uncles and cousins and, right. and grandmothers. Um, so it was, it was very interesting and they would, the, 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 the Jewish kids' parents would come to the school like mm. sometimes at recess. Right. Sure. <laughs> um, meaning their, their relatives who were coming over. Mm. They wanted to see America, how, what, right. what the kids did. The Japanese kids really pretty much stayed to themselves. But each group did something that I wish my people would do. Right. <laughs> they, had, um, they had special days that they would leave school. Right. The Jewish kids would, go, would leave and go to the synagogue and learn all about their people right. once learn a week. They <laughs> learned their history. Mm -hmm. The Japanese kids would go, they were, would hold their classes in the different theaters, mm -hmm. their former Japanese theaters. Right. And um, they would go and learn about their people. I think now that we are getting into a situation where they're banning books, right. 
can't taking out Rosa Parks' book and, sure. and the Muffet's book out of well, libraries because they don't want right. their kids to read them. I think we need to do that immediately. Sure. <laughs> we right. need really to start. On our history. Oh, yes, co concentrate on our history. Speaking of which, there's a key concept you like to really help us rewrite, and that's calling them the Black Renaissance film. Oh, that's a dirty word. Sure. No, that's a group of dirty words mm -hmm. <laughs> strung mm -hmm. together. There is a phrase that has been used to depict, talk about, or put in a shelf, or put in a book, give it a label, and it's called this phrase, black exploitation films. That's a racist term. These were brilliant people. You want to say, well, who was exploiting who? Were the actors exploiting the directors? Mm -hmm. Were we exploiting the audience? Just right. what the yeah. hell was yeah. that? Right. It because was, you're being paid. We and. were being paid, mm -hmm. but some people felt that we should be paid more. Mm -hmm. We were not going to be paid more than the other actors who were Caucasians. Right. They were getting paid the sure. same thing. If you weren't Elizabeth Taylor right. or uh, one of the major stars, they had a contract system at that time. The tail end of the contract system, because it was really kind of vicious. Yeah. You would be placed under contract, not the black folks, yeah. But I'll, I'll tell you, there were some exceptions. Not the black folks, but your regular people you would see in movies before they became stars. They'd be under contracts. They might be making $300 a week. And then if they became a little larger under this five-year contract, they could then lend them out to another studio, take a bunch of money, and then here, here's your 350. Right, That's what they did. That's what they did. It, that changed. The union mm -hmm. got stronger and, and, right. and that changed. Um, I wish it could be referred to as the black film renaissance yes. of sure. the 70s or the 70s yeah. black film renaissance because we made movies before the 70s. Right. Yeah. Um, they weren't, they were shown in churches and shown in small, small theaters. Um, so. I wish we could drop that phrase. Something more, more positive. Oh, more positive, please. And then with the film, because the show's called Film and Medicine, like Brian's song, yes. this is gripping for its time, besides the fact that it's become a congressional film, because it talks about cancer, and here's a black family dealing with that. Just tell us about sort of reading with Louis Gossett for that <laughs> originally, and, and doing a film like that. That movie, I think, touched the heart of so many men. Mm -hmm. Men come up to me and say, that was the first time I ever cried in a movie. Well, it was a sad <laughs> film. You're <laughs> supposed to cry with wonderful actors. Mm -hmm. But it hit on a theme that when you're dealing with football, right. which is sport, happy, go out there and right. get it, sure. and a death of, by cancer. Um, Billy D. Williams did an incredible job. Mm -hmm. Everybody in the cast was just magnificent. I had read for the part with a uh, magnificent, magnificent right. actor, Lou Gossett. Yes. <laughs> Lou Gossett was to have played the role that Billy D. Williams sure. played. Right. So you're saying, well, what happened? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> there was a group of actors here in, in Hollywood who had all come out from New York and they mm -hmm. all knew each other. Sure. Um, one was, was, was my first husband, Don Mitchell from Ironside and, sure. and Delville Martin, Raymond St. Jacques, and on Sundays, sure. On Sundays, we knew where they were going to be. Right. They were going to be on the basketball court. Right. I mean, like, exactly. on really the basketball right, 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 court. Right, 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 so it got to the point that folks would come and watch the, 
the black actors play bas basketball. Right, right. <laughs> it was just, and the wives would be out there, and sometimes you bring the kids. Well, the week after the auditions with Lou Gossett, mm -hmm. I got the role. Wow. I got the role. I got yeah. the role of, you know, I got that role. And um, <laughs> this particular weekend when they're playing basketball, mm -hmm. it wasn't good for, for Lou, because mm -hmm. Lou got hurt. Right. And Lou physically got <laughs> hurt. Sure. So I get a call from my agent, mm -hmm. and he explains to me that Lou won't be doing the part, and right. uh, uh, they would like to know if you would come in and read with the male actors. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Why is it Lou doing the part? He's, 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 he's been injured. He's hurt. He, he can't do the part. He can't play the football player. Right. So I go and I start reading with the different actors. Right. And they were all excellent. Sure. They were oh, excellent. Sure. But Billy had a little something, something, sure. something going <laughs> on. I heard that rumor. <laughs> he had a something, something, something. Sure. It was, it, and he was just, he was just a very, very good actor. Sure. And they're both still, their names are still out there. Lou sure. Gossett. Absolutely. Billy D. Williams. They were just both excellent. Um, they had some good choices with the men, other men who came too, who to were reading. Sure. So that's, that's how that happened. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you to what? talk us about uh, your favorite leading man, Mr. Kurt Flood. Oh, yeah, he was my—he is my favorite leading man. That's my husband. My husband was—my husband is deceased. I'm the widow of Major League Baseball All-Star. Two World Series rings, seven consecutive gold gloves. He was also the captain of his team, first black man to be the captain for four years in a row. Um, did I say eight? Did I say seven? Yes, you did. Oh, right, golden. He's part of that first generation after uh, Jackie Robinson. Uh, he was with the St. Louis Cardinals for 12 years. Right. Wow. 12 years he was with the St. Louis Cardinals with some incredible other players with Bob Gibson mm -hmm. and Lou Brock. And it was just an incredible magic moment in the world of sports when they started bringing the black athletes into mm -hmm. the game, the, the American game, because it's the American game. <laughs> it's the American game. So um, Kurt signed with the Cardinals and 1957, mm -hmm. and he went off to, um, I'm sorry, he signed with, with the Cincinnati Reds right, okay. in 1957, and he went off to uh, play minor league. Mm -hmm. Okay, he's born and raised in California. Right. He's going to Carolina League. Mm -hmm. Carolina's in the South, in the deep, deep South. south. Right. And we're talking At that time. 50s. Right. And we saw what Jackie was going through. Mm -hmm. So when you're in the minor leagues, it's even worse. Yeah. Um, he knows he's going to be, gets off the plane, I'm sorry, gets off the train, I'm sorry, no, gets off the plane, and he sees these two fountains, and one says white and one says black, and he's like, there's one seven up and one's Coca-Cola. He said, he stops and don't, don't be stupid, don't be stupid, you know what it is, you know what it is. Um, and he takes a taxi, but he had to wait at the train station for a black taxi because you weren't allowed to ride in the white taxis because you could not have a Caucasian man driving you around. <laughs> no, they didn't do that. And so he goes in and presents himself to the hotel and the hotel 
looks at him and says, uh, you, you with the team, huh? And he says, yeah, yeah. Um, and they said, <laughs> he, he blows a whistle and this man comes and he says, you have to come go with me and takes him out the back door of the hotel to where the black taxis are, mm -hmm. and then they send him to a private home, mm -hmm. and they all call the Ma Feller's home because that's mm -hmm. where the black players had to stay. They mm -hmm. could not stay with the um, with the team. Right. Wow. Couldn't stay with the team. Couldn't eat with the team. <laughs> all they could do. This is my favorite. They couldn't use the clubhouse. Mm -hmm. Really. They could not use the clubhouse. Mm -hmm. They had to dress at Ma Feller's. And the black taxis would come up. There might be four or five guys staying in the one house. And the black taxis would be out front, and they'd come marching out of the front door in their uniform. Right. Wow. And, oh, Lordy, if they had to play a doubleheader, guess what they had to do? Change. I don't know where. Where the hell were they going to change? Right. There was nowhere to change. They had to sit there in their soaking wet uniforms mm. while... The hours went by for the doubleheader to the next game. To the next game and then go out and play in the South in your wet uniform while the other guys could go into the clubhouse, take a shower, do whatever they wanted to do, eat some snacks or whatever. And then Kurt said, then I would have to walk out to center field in the South where they're already calling me the N-word and, right. and calling me alligator meat wow. and <laughs> just... Mm -hmm. Uh, racist, racist terms you don't even hear anymore. They're so awful. So he said, and I have to walk out to center field and turn my back on all of that noise and all of that hate. Always wondering, is someone going to throw a can of beer, a can of Coke, a bottle at me? So trying to concentrate on the game and watch out that your head isn't knocked off mm -hmm. is kind of difficult to do. Right. But guess what? He did it. Mm -hmm. And he won every stat. He, he was topped every stat in the Carolina League. Wow. And he was the VIP because he was, <laughs> he, he won the best player award for the whole league. Wow. So there's a big dinner. So he's sitting in the back of the bus. He had to sit in the back of the bus because if the police saw him sitting any other way, they'd stop right. the bus and put him yeah, in the back of the bus. Right. <laughs> so he's right. sitting back there in the back, and they get to the hotel, and he's all excited. I'm going to get my award. Right. And they, the guy stops him at the door. You can't come in here. Right. No, no color. It's allowed. Right. And he's looking at his coach, and the coach says, oh, oh coach, just go sit in the bus. We'll, we'll, we'll get okay. your award. Right. No, you. I'll get, you'll get the award. Right. He sits there in the bus during the during the, during the dinner, during the ceremony, during the presentation of the, 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 the award. And then finally, before it was all over, a furniture maker, one of the biggest furniture makers, because that's where they grow all the timber, right. knocked on the door and said, Kurt, I came to get you. Uh, Berkovich called me and said, and I told him what was happening, he said to go get you. Berkovich was a man in San Francisco, in San Francisco Oakland area who had a major furniture store, mm -hmm. and Kurt used to work for him. Right. Well, so, so he's he friends with the guy who has the, makes all the furniture. Sure. So he takes him and starts walking in, and they're ready to stop him, and then they see who he is. Because right. half the town right. works for him. Right, so he has that ability. <laughs> so he let him go him. in and he got his award. Wow. 
I mean, just some crazy, st crazy stuff. Um, this is my other favorite one of just how extreme the racism was on the black guys who were playing. At one stadium, they had built, you know what corrugated steel is? It's like, it's got the little things right. and then okay. it's steel. Yes, right. There was a window that was by the, at the clubhouse. Right. Window you could look into the clubhouse. So they put this corrugated lean-to steel piece of thing up for the black players who were now coming to be outside of the clubhouse, but they could look in the window. They could not stand up. And if you're playing in the summertime and it's steel, right. it's like you're in an oven. Wow. So <laughs> it was a doubleheader. So he did, did get to go and cut out of his uniform and get a new uniform. He put right. another uniform on. And he threw his um, wet uniform into the window, the clubhouse window. And the guys start cursing at him and yelling at him. And then the man went and got a long stick, like they would pick up paper with the nail. Right. Took this thing, got it, and threw it in a bag. And there were two, one bag for the black, him, the black player, right. and the bag for the other guys who were getting their stuff done right there. Right. <laughs> Put his uniform in a black taxi and mm. took it to the colored it's cleaners. cleaners. Oh my gosh, talking about really <laughs> keeping it separate and not equal. He wow. took it to the cleaners. Wow. So while he's sitting there with no clothes on, not just right. his underwear, waiting for his uniform to come right. from the black cleaners the game starts mm. they start the game without him wow. so he could hear people calling his name where's the well the the, the n-word name sure, and right, the, where is he? Did, he, did you get rid of him and blah right. blah 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 so finally his uniform comes he puts it on and he goes out there and he said they did start throwing stuff mm. they That's were throwing the cans they were throwing the this and wow. then somebody kind of calmed him down and he had to go stand with his back to all, to all those folks. Mm. It, it went on like that, it went on like that, it, a, a lot. Finally, for the Cardinals, right. <laughs> there was a doubleheader, and him, Bob Gibson and him were of course still in their soaking wet uniforms, mm. and it was now, they had already played both games, and they're now walking across the parking lots to get to the black taxis because they can't come into the stadium. They can't come in. Right. So, so right. that means that people are bothering them constantly. Yeah, even going there yeah. to and leave. To, yeah. So you, they have to walk, and they, they say they usually would just get and step together and just like literally walk, march, right. not walk. Not yeah. <laughs> so he wow. says, uh, big limousine pulls up, and they can see it's uh, Mr. Um, Bush, mm. the owner. And he stops, stops the, um, the limo. He had a black chauffeur he had for about 15 years. Mm -hmm. so, and they waved at the chauffeur. And uh, Bush says, what are you guys doing out here in your uniforms? Mm -hmm. He said, why are you out here? Why don't you, you better go get on that bus. And Bob says, we're not allowed in the clubhouse. He said, what do you mean you're not allowed in the clubhouse? He says, we can't go in the clubhouse. He says, no, we can't go in the clubhouse, and we, we're going over here, we, our taxis are here, and we're just going to go get our taxis and go right. to, uh, he says, well, well, why don't you just let me take you, I can take you on over to the hotel. He says, we're not allowed to stay in the hotel. Right. He says, what do you mean you're not, this man who owns the team, right. owns the beer company, right. had no idea that yeah. they were living 
in separate quarters, right. eating separately, couldn't use the clubhouse, had to live at some house and change their clothes, and he didn't, yeah. did Wasn't not aware. know, right. was not aware at all. And um, so he said, okay, okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. And then he said he drove off, and they went on to the taxi mm -hmm. and went to Ma Feller's. About 11 o'clock that night, his black chauffeur mm -hmm. comes knocking on the door and waking him up. And he says, get your stuff, uh, you, you guys are moving. Right. It was about maybe four or five, maybe five or six of them, mm -hmm. five or six of them. And he said, you, you guys are moving. And he tells the people they're, they're, they're gonna be leaving. And they were like, well, where are we going? Where are we supposed I'm taking you to the hotel. Mm -hmm. He said, we can't stay there. He said, Mr. Bush bought it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he that, bought, they he, did that in Asian, um, <laughs> rich Asians. That yeah, was how yes. the scene began. He bought the hotel wow. so they could stay at the hotel because he wanted to know where his boys were. He had no idea that they were living like that. <laughs> that they were living kind of like, right. Wow. So they check into the hotel and they now have a room and Bob and Kurt are right. roommates, sure. just the two of them. Right. And we can go downstairs right. and eat. Right. So they go downstairs to eat and they have another section, a separate section. Right. Sure. For, for these black players. Right. Carved down. <laughs> and um, now the players weren't always from the same team. Mm, okay. It could be different teams, members from right. different teams living okay. in the same Mothella okay. house. Right. So that was, the, that was breakfast. When they came back at dinner time, guess right. what they had done? They had built a petition around right. the area for the black right. players right. So, right. so that Even no one it. could see them. Wow. So that's, that was just how yeah. deep that stuff was. So nobody could yeah. see them. Wow. So um, that's how they were able to then start living, but they would be on another floor, not the same floor, and all that kind of stuff. So sure. it was uh, very interesting. And during the, when they were doing the World Series, it became so hostile um, against the black players from the other side, the other team. Mm -hmm. Each one was assigned a police officer wow. who wore plain clothes. Right. who protected them, and the black players' wives also had a police person that they didn't right. even know they had a police person following them and keeping an eye on them right. because they right. thought it would upset them too much. Hmm. That's, That's how... how, how <laughs> it was entrenched. And the fact that they could then actually just continue to break records and play and, right. and continue to just be the best of the best. Right. Um, I know that when Kurt decided that he was going to challenge mm -hmm. the, the reserve clause, right. because the, he, he, he was captain of the team. This is in 1968, 69. Mm -hmm. And um, he had two World Series rings. And that year he all, that's the year he won his seventh consecutive gold glove. Right. That means you're the best in your position. You are the right. best, you're the best. And they say, we're going to trade you. And he was, his thoughts were, I mean, my whole life is here. I've been right. here for 13, no 12 years. I, right. So he decided not to go. He was the first athlete who ever said, I'm not going to be traded. I'm not going. Right. And they didn't believe him. They didn't believe him. But he started that whole process and went all the way to the Supreme Court. 
and the night of the vote, the, no, the night before the morning vote, one of the Supreme Court justices, clerk, called the union, called Major League Baseball Players Union and told them this. Um, he's going to abstain because he can't vote because there's a conflict of interest. And they were like, well, what conflict of interest? He's been sitting in on everything. He's been right. there every day. He's the aware. trial's going on, blah, right. blah, 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 blah. They said, well, he just realized today that he owns stock mm. in Anheuser-Busch. Wow. <laughs> I just always thought that was just so, he thought, right. the Supreme Court justice thought that they only own the stadium. They right. did not own the team. team. Right. They'd only owned the team for about a century. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm exaggerating. Right. Long enough to be aware. Uh, and maybe he thought they just owned the horses, you know, the Clydesdale. Right. Sure. Right. Right. Sure. I always thought that was so bizarre. Mm. So bizarre. So he abstained. Right. And, but the uh, act still passed. Say it again. The act still passed. No. The Act. No, 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 that's okay. different. Sure. That's okay. different. Okay. That's different. Okay. okay, that's that's different. He lost the case. Mm. The only person who came to testify for Kurt was Jackie Robinson, mm. player. The only right, player right. who came into the courtroom and testified was, was uh, Jackie Robinson. Right. And it, what he said and what he did was just absolutely magnificent. The only person who came to testify against Kurt was Joe Garagiola. Mm. Joe right. Garagiola. Joe Garagiola, who's the only one who got Jackie Robinson to actually fight on the field, or ready to fight on the field. Uh, and it was Joe Garagiola who was the one who campaigned right. to walk off the field if Jackie Robinson came right. on the field. Right. That guy. Right. Yeah. Okay. Want to make sure you knew who that, that mm -hmm. guy was. Okay. So, um, Kurt, the, the act you're speaking of, first let me just say this. The antitrust laws right. in the United States of America that all companies have to abide by, guess who doesn't? Uh, Anheuser-Busch. No, just guess who does? It's an institution. It's so the American Major, Major, Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball yeah, to this day does not have to. It doesn't apply to them. There's only one part of that that does apply to them, and it's because of the Curt Flood Act, the Congressional Act that bears the name of an athlete and the athlete's number. It's called Bill Number 21, the Kurt Flood Act, that changed and they had to apply to interstate uh, commerce in regards to the players. Mm, okay. The players, everything else is still the same. They do not, doesn't apply to Major League Baseball. The only thing is the players. They have to uh, operate under those, those same guidelines as everyone else. So um, he changed the way business is done in all disciplines of sports. Right, all the all, all of them, all of the sports. Um, he did that, and it changed the game. Right. It changed it. it. They said it was going to kill the game, but it made it more competitive. Right. Because now you could be... It wasn't up to the person who you worked for to tell you who you were going to work for next. Right, right. Which is a That's big right. difference. Right, right. And you understood and knew what your monies and your salaries were going to be. Um, it, it, it changed everything. It really, really did. And it changed Kurt's life completely. Um, 
he had he had to excel. He exiled him. He exiled himself from this country. Right. He right. went to Mallorca, Spain. He lived there for a good five something years because they were going to kill him. He was getting death threats right. everywhere. Just it was just they were going to kill him. They'd already killed Martin Luther King. Right. They'd kill Kennedy. They, they, they were like, bang, bang, you're dead. Right. Bang, bang, you're dead. And it wasn't a very serious threat. But sometimes they did it in broad daylight. Right. Right. People. They, they did it in broad daylight. Yes. But he is the reason why we have free agency today. Right. Um, that was the translation. Right, right, absolutely. One of the last things I want to touch on is uh, the importance of education. And sort of your whole career has really been symbolic of that. Breaking down the walls, this story that we talked about with Kurt of really literally not. You know how I barriers. met Kurt? How? Okay. You'll like this story. I'm gonna tell it real quick. Do you remember a game called the date a show called The Dating, Dating Game? Yes. You remember were that? The first black female. Yeah, I was the first black female on right. the dating game when it was the night when it was the afternoon show. Right. I was also the first first female on the nighttime show when it went to prime time and night. Okay. All right, it's prime time and it's going to be the nighttime show. They said, you want to come and do it? I said, well, yeah, sure, I'll come and do it. Okay. One of the bachelors was Willie Mays. Now, once you do the show, you can advertise the show. So we had already done the show and they were advertising the show and it was on Thanksgiving night. So everybody's going to watch Willie Mays on the dating game, their prime time premiere nighttime right. show. Right. So guess who was watching? Kurt Flood. Yes. <laughs> Mr. Flood. He liked what he saw. He, Mr. Flood was watching. Right. I mean, he was literally watching. The next day, he calls ABC and wants to get that girl's number. I think right. her name is Judy. Right. Uh, who's on the dating game? Can, can, how can I get her number? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I told him, we are the network. Right, right, right. You have to call the production company. Right. And he says, well, how do I find out who the production... She said, just a moment. She gave him the name of the production company, whichever right. the name was that so produces. Um, so he calls them. And they were like, are you crazy? We can't give you numbers. Right. Call her agent. Well, how do I get her agent? Right. Call the union. Right. What's the union? Right. So he calls, he finds out what the union is. He calls right. the union. Oh. And the union tells him the same thing, call her agent. Who's her agent? They tell him, her agent's William Morris agent. See, right. is, that, is that her agent? He said the woman it was like a pause. Right. No, yeah. William Morris died many years <laughs> ago. Right. It's an agent too. Wow. But if you call there, they'll, they'll, let, they'll, they'll, they'll know who, who her agent right. is. So he calls, and Cy Marsh actually takes the call from Kurt blood because he was a baseball fan. Yeah, and so, <laughs> so yeah. he takes the call and he thinks, Cy thinks it's a great idea. Mm-hmm. So he, <laughs> he did not give him my home number, right. but he gave him a public number, right. my mom's boutique. Okay. So he calls the boutique and asks for me and my mom answered the phone and she says, oh, Judy's at home. She's not here right now. He says, well, Cy Marsh told me to call. He says, oh, well, let me give you the number because that's my agent. So she thinks it's 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 about work, you know? know. So the show went on in Thanksgiving. He called me from Thanksgiving to the next World Series because my first date with Kirk Flood was 
the World Series at mm -hmm. Dodger Stadium, right. and him and my dad right. had become really good buddies because yeah. uh, he would call and talk to my dad. Because yeah. I don't know you. Right. I, sure. I, 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 right. I'm like right. 19, 20 years old. Right. I don't know who you are. Right. And my dad one day said, you're just being rude. He's a fine young man. He's like a Jackie Robinson. You just need to go out with him. Just don't go on a date with him. I said, okay, Daddy. So when he called and I talked to him, I didn't just give the phone to my dad. And I said, okay, I'll go out with you. He said, okay, he said, okay, okay, okay. I said, but wherever we go, it has to be a lot of people. Right. And we need a chaperone, because right. I don't know you. Right. He said, okay, uh, I'm going to call you right back. So when he called back, that's when he said, will Dodger Stadium do for the people? Right. <laughs> that's a lot of people. That's a lot. And he said, how about my dad, his dad, yeah. and my aunt, and your mother and father the as the chaperones? Right. And I was like, okay. That's a day. <laughs> He did it. He pulled it off. <laughs> but wow. my dad never missed a day of work at Douglas Aircraft. Oh, baby, I'd love to go, but I mean, it's a daytime game. I can't go. My mom, do we sit in the sun? <laughs> exactly. So everybody started bowing out. <laughs> so we went, and it was his dad and his aunt. And that was my first date with, wow. with uh, Mr. Mann. And after the game, we dropped his dad off and dropped his aunt off and came back to my mom's house and had raided right the refrigerator and sat there and talked and he wanted to know all about my union. Wow, right. That's what he wanted. Well, what do they do? Yeah, you, do you, have a, you, have a, you have your own PR person? Right. It's not like the shows. Yeah, I said the show will have the PR person also, right. but we have our own individual PR per persons. I was amazed at what they did not have. Mm -hmm. Wow, right, I, right. I was considering. Just, they, they, but they, they start playing when they're 17 and 18, and they go through this, I call it brainwashing. Back in the day. Yeah, like, don't talk to any, any other player. Don't ever tell them what you earn. Right, so keep it. Now they publish it on big headlines. Right, so everybody knows. <laughs> So-and-so is making $90 million a year. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. <laughs> just signed a 20-year contract. Well, he's already 30. How long <laughs> are you going to think the man's going to play? I'm yeah, just kidding. Sure. <laughs> well, this has been lovely. Um, I just want to say that um, it's such a pleasure. I want to say something. Go ahead. My kids did this for me. Mm -hmm. They now have a new title for me. And what is that? It's called Judy the First. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, okay, what is that? What, is, what is that? He said, Mommy, you were the first black villainess on TV and the mm -hmm. first black family of drama was Ruby D and Glenn Turman. I said, mm -hmm. yeah, okay. And Mommy, you were the first black lawyer on TV. Right. And Mommy, you were the first, first person to have a black congressional film. Right. Brian, Brian Song. Song. Yes. And mommy, you had a second congressional film. Mm -hmm. And that was um, Cotton Comes Cotton, to Harlem. Right. And Bonnie. mommy, Cotton Comes to Harlem was the first blockbuster film and ushered in the Black That's film so renaissance of the right. 70s. Right. Right. That's and there was a whole list. There was, there's more. There was a whole list, but yeah, I didn't know. So I, you good. know how you don't put stuff together? Right. Sure. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and my awesome. daughter's an actress. Sure, yes. And my other daughter's an attorney. And they're both Howard graduates. Yeah. And I brainwashed them with education. Education. Some more education and, and more. some more education. Exactly. And my daughter, who's the actress, she also has a master's degree. Um, and I was happy they decided they wanted to go to a historical black college. Right. Because here in Los Angeles, you can just 
put blindfolds on, throw a rock, and you're right. going to hit a university, right. a college, a junior right. college. Right. They're, they're everywhere here in sure. Southern California, which I'm very proud of. Yeah. Um, and I'm very proud of my daughters. Wonderful. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. a great story. I um... Oh, I left my husband out. I did. Yeah. How did we do that? My first husband, sure. Don Mitchell right. of Ironside. Right, right, actor. The first mm -hmm. man on TV to legally carry a gun when he became a detective. Uh, <laughs> I could not just leave sure. the whole okay, husband sure. out. No, we were married sure. for a long sure. time. Yes yes. yes, yes, yes. This has been wonderful. Um, you've been here with us on Film and Medicine, and I feel like your entire career has been such a series of firsts, but more importantly, that you've really done amazing work as you continue to do to educate us about the importance of our history and really oh, yeah. realizing that we need to continue to educate ourselves more and more about everything that oh, we've absolutely. done and what we've overcome. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, young man. Yeah, with, yeah, with, you're just a little genius. Sure. I know that. You were that little kid yeah. in, in school who was, had his hand up all the time. <laughs> I know, I know, weren't you? No, <laughs> you no, no, I hit the back. <laughs> I don't want to show off. How many degrees do you have? <laughs> Three. Oh, really? That's it. But I know it will now be at the moment. Most folks so are happy to get them. one. <laughs> I've got to stop. Keep going. Sure. Keep going. Keep yeah. going. You got more Can't good stuff out of sure. it. Thank but you. Thank you for thank having you. me. It's been a pleasure. It's been Thanks such so much. a pleasure. Sure. Thank you so yes, much. Yes, indeed. Thank yes, you. Yes, indeed. <laughs>